Okay, well, welcome everyone to a beautiful Sunday afternoon in the Deer Park. We've got a wonderful turnout. We thank everyone for coming today. Uh, please settle down, settle yourselves, turn off all the distractions, focus your mind. Prepare to listen. For today's talk, I'd like to talk. I'd like to um, go over some of the some of the ways in which the Buddhist teaching is. Um, or plays a part in in changing who we are. Or really how how we should look at Buddhism as something that is going to have an impact on on who we are. So I think it's easy to slip into the intellectual mode when we approach uh, things like meditation practice and Buddhism where we understand the teachings, we accept them, we're even able to um, pass the teachings on to others but we don't practice them ourselves we don't um, we don't take them into our our reality. You can see, you can catch yourself doing it. You'll be listening, sitting here listening to a talk, and suddenly your mind wanders. Maybe even your hand wanders to the mouse, and suddenly you're switching channels. Back to Facebook, then on to Twitter, then on to YouTube, and so on and so on. It's very easy to get to get um, lost in the um, or, or to be to deceive ourselves to think that an intellectual understanding of the Buddha's teaching um, an acceptance of it is enough. What, what Buddhism really is is a a means of using the mind to change the, the 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 reality in front of you of training the mind to to fix the the or to adjust the reality around us to bring it bring it back into a state of harmony and peace So we have this reality in front of us, the physical and the mental reality, and it's going on seemingly like an automaton. And for about the past 300 years, this is really how we've viewed um, reality, 
as a, a deterministic um, closed system. You know, the discovery, this discovery of evolution and uh, classical physics made and and Cartesian three-dimensional space sort of built up this this idea in our minds that uh, we're we're creatures of habit and this is this is very much an, a part of reality it's it's clear that this is what's happening we follow after our wants and our needs we follow after our habits our character most of the time but what the buddha discovered is that this this system is not closed in the way that we think it is it's not deterministic um, it's basically from my understanding sort of the realization that quantum physics has come to and people keep yelling at me for for comparing the two and quantum physics has nothing to do with the mind and, and Buddhism and so on but of course Buddhists keep telling me yes yes it has everything to do with with um, the mind in Buddhism. Um, I've actually been reading a, um, some of the work of a very well-known quantum physicist on the topic, and basically, what he's the things he's saying are are exactly what we're saying, what well, what the Buddha said, uh, and and what we come to realize in meditation that reality is much better understood as. Um, probabilities rather than um, rather than dimensions or or um, you say particles in space-time that what we're actually talking about when we when we talk about physics and and the way things work the nature of reality we're talking about probabilities we're talking about pot uh, sorry potentials um, the potential for something to happen so th there are potential certain things certain certain realities or certain experiences have a potential and it's not set in in stone it's not a physical reality that that one one potential is going to come and another's not there's room for a mental intervention and this is basically what we're doing that we have this reality in front of us that all of us can verify if i tell you there's a reality in front of you of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking of the physical and the mental, you can readily agree that that's at least what appears to be the case. And the practice of Buddhism is, is, is changing that in a certain way. In, um, in, in the way of coming to understand it and coming to see it clearer in a more precise fashion, kind of like um, fine-tuning an automobile so instead of just driving it and driving it and driving it until it breaks down we're adjusting the reality we're, we're, we're taking a closer look um, at, at the way we deal with our experiences at every moment
And so I want to stress this because it helps us to understand why we have to do why 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 we have to practice meditation, why we have to um avoid certain things, why we have why there are certain things that we have to adjust in our lives. Um, you know, for why we have to why why morality is so important in spiritual practice. If we understand things from a deterministic point of view or 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 even the, a point of view of, of chance, where everything happens just by chance or so on. And it, it, or, or really the way most of us look at it, we just don't understand reality. We just think of reality as this big unknown. You know, it's a mystery. And it's really difficult to understand why you should stop killing or stealing or lying or cheating or taking drugs and alcohol. I mean, it seems to most of us that... Um, we have a certain free will and we can do what we want. And the funny thing is our our sense of free will comes from our understanding that, that we're creatures of habit and, and um, it, this, this system is deterministic, so it really doesn't matter what you do. It's a very uneducated way of looking at reality. And yet we fall into this. We, we don't see the problems with things like drugs and alcohol. Um... We don't understand how killing a fly is going to, is supposed to be bad karma, uh, putting out poison for ants or mice or so on. We understand how lying to people is is a problem, how how um, stealing from the government or stealing from or corporations or or large bus businesses is is um, is a problem. How these things are bad karma. But when when we approach reality from a Buddhist point of view, or even a scientific point of view, we come to see that actually everything we do has a causal ca causal efficacy. Meaning, everything we do has a power to create to to affect the future, to affect our reality at every moment. This is why we're always um, pushing people to to stay in the present moment because that's when because things are happening at every moment right now you're creating karma at every moment that you like something dislike something judge something you're building up a tendency in your mind you're affecting the brain the mind has a effect on the brain at every moment and it's um, you know, it's to the order of something like hundreds or even thousands of times per second. And and you you start when you practice meditation, you start to see the incredible power that that our actions have. That in fact. The act of killing is so blatantly, obviously harmful to the mind um, that it's it's really not a question. It's not one of those deep, um, esoteric or or difficult to understand concepts. At least it shouldn't be. When you even just start to practice meditation, it it becomes clear that this isn't one of those difficult questions. You know, to stop killing, to stop stealing, or so on. These are the coarsest of defilements. 
it's much more difficult to see how sexual activity can be unwholesome, how how our attachment to other people can be, um, or or is is a cause for suffering and so on. This is more difficult to understand. Giving up things like music and so on that's difficult. But um, on a basic level. Morality on a basic level is not difficult to understand or shouldn't be, and it's something that we should um, we should realize in the very beginning. This is an important point for all of us that uh, if you're going to undertake meditation, it's not something you can do uh, stoned or drunk. It's not something you can do um, if you continue to. To perform Im immoral acts of, of killing and stealing and so on, and and they're they're immoral only from the standpoint of their effect on your mind. This is what's great about Buddhism, and this is what's great about this stuff I've been reading by this quantum physicist Henry Stapp. He has this wonderful quote, how, saying how 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 incredible it would be if we could if we could um, derive our morality from from science. How we wouldn't have to rely on on um, impossible to prove uh, sources like God or um, you know I guess God yeah no or 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 old books you know what a book says this is right or this is wrong when we ba and when we base it on science we're talking about something that's universal that's testable that's uh, empirical that's uh, observable that you can you can do a study on that you can show with um result or with um experiment and that that's really what morality means in buddhism there there is no sense of um of of feeling guilt for things or or shame, um, you know, hating yourself and, and feeling of being a wicked person. There's no such thing, I guess, as a bad person in Buddhism. There's only the bad acts, the, the bad deeds. And they're bad because they hurt. They cause suffering for oneself and for others. This is something we realize in meditation. But uh, it's important to talk about first because if we can't at least... Um, now put these aside for the time being. We're never going to practice. We're never going to get far enough in our meditation to see the 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 problem with these things. We we have to take them um, kind of as a first step. We have to understand that uh, these things are going to get in our way. You have to kind of take it on faith, or at least an intellectual understanding. In the beginning, otherwise it can be very difficult to practice, and uh, you 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 find it almost impossible to sit still because of the 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 mental upset that's caused by these things. When when we see reality from a point of view of this moment-to-moment -moment, um, effect that the mind has. On on our environment, our surroundings, our experience of reality. 
then it becomes really easy to understand. It, it becomes even possible to understand how how things like uh, sensual attraction, uh, music, even food, and our attachment to food or to taste can be a uh, a hindrance or can can be a cause for suffering. So when we start practicing, we have to we have to understand this as an important principle in in what we're about to do. That it's it's a very real thing and it's a experiential thing where we're trying to see things as they are. And we have to be be able to give up killing, stealing, lying, cheating, drugs, alcohol. And we have to be able to moderate our our attachments to things. We have to be able to let go. Even even on an intellectual level, we have to be able to say to ourselves, okay, now I'm going to undertake the practice, for at least for this period, I'm going to um, try my best to see things as they are and to give up. You know, you give up many things in, in, in the practice of meditation, trying not to eat too much or, or, or you know, chase after delicious foods, trying not to... Um, become distracted in entertainment and um, amusement, wasting our time with these things, and uh, affecting our mind by them. You know, there's, there's. If you don't look at it from a physics point of view, you look at it from, can look at it from a chemical point of view. Brain chemistry is is a, is very well documented. The the addiction cycle, which occurs every time you like something, there's the release of certain chemicals in the brain and the development of a cycle of addiction. Once you, you've established this understanding and you, you, you've um, begun to understand at least the, the principle behind meditation that we're going to be uh, examining reality, we're going to be studying it and developing an understanding and uh, developing an approach to reality that's that's uh, wholesome, that's um, wise and based on reason, based on clear understanding. Then, then we can actually start to to sit down and to meditate and and to develop this this realization, this understanding. So the, the Buddha said that before you even start to meditate, it's important to get an, an understanding of these things, that we're not just going to sit there, close our eyes, and expect for something to happen to us. We're going to examine reality. And this can be done in and this can be done anywhere. It can be done right now, even as you're listening here. You know, what's going on in your mind? Where is your mind going? It's wandering. It's going here and there. What's um, occurring in your reality? There's pain in the body, or there's a happy feeling, or a calm feeling. Maybe you feel hot, maybe you feel cold. And then there's judgments about everything that goes on, liking, disliking, uh, sad, bored, worried, depressed, uh, and so on. So this is where we're going to, to start when we meditate. We're going to start by looking at reality. So the the method of looking at reality what i wanted to, to to focus on today besides talking about morality is is the things that we should do and how our meditation should proceed if we expect to gain um, real and concrete results through the practice and 
I talk about in my videos four fundamental qualities of meditation or guidelines. And these are not mine, they're something that my teacher taught to us again and again and again. And it really makes sense as sort of the basic foundations of, of, of meditation practice. So the meditation I, I teach, first of all, for those of you who, who aren't aware, is based on the four foundations of mindfulness. If you want information on that, you can check out the videos I have on YouTube about how to meditate. Um, and the, the, the technique is to use a, a, a mantra, but it's a mantra based on reality. A, a mantra is just a word that focuses the mind on something. And here we're using the mantra to focus on uh, our experiences, to focus on the reality that we experience at every moment. So when you see something, the mantra is seeing. When you hear something, the mantra is hearing. When you feel pain, the mantra is pain. When you feel angry, the mantra is ang angry. And the, the the way of doing this, there are four parts to it. This is the, the means of, of of developing this type of meditation practice. The first is that your mind is in the present moment. And this I've already mentioned a little bit. But it's really the the most important factor here is that we are here and now. That we ex we understand the framework that we're going to approach the practice in, and it's our reality. It's not an intellectual thing. We're not sitting here trying to accept the words that I say intellectually, accept the Buddha's teaching intellectually. We're trying to approach our reality right now as we experience it. So when you use this mantra, it has to be based on something that's happening here and now. If you're thinking about something in the past, um, you remember something, say you remember um, talking with someone. You wouldn't say to yourself, talking, talking. You say to yourself, thinking, thinking, because that's what's going on. When you hear a car, or you hear the birds in the background, you won't say to yourself, birds, birds. You'll say to yourself, hearing, hearing, because that's here and that's now. The the basic meditation object that we take is the, the, the body. When, you're, when your stomach rises as you breathe, you say to yourself, rising, and when it falls, falling. And you do it exactly when it happens. When it starts, you start to say, rising. And when it finishes, sing. When it falls, falling. When you walk, you walk, stepping right, stepping left, in, in time and in sync with the movement itself. The second uh, important quality is that you're you're practicing continuously. Um, be because essentially we've we've come a long way from from our un an understanding of reality, uh, a clear understanding of reality. We um, we have many preconceived notions and ideas about reality that are that are patently false. Our way of approaching things is leading us to suffering. Uh, it builds up and builds up and causes us an incredible amount of suffering, much of what we're, which we're not aware of, because we don't have anything to compare it to. We think of ourselves as, you know, doing okay, as as not suffering tremendously. But when we start to look at it, we see that actually it's it's a terribly un um, 
uncomfortable position that we're in of always chasing after things that we want, running away from things that we don't want, and stressing and stressing about um, adjusting things and, and forming things to be the way that we want them to be and to always be according to our wishes. And so it's not enough for us to practice, say, once a day, twice a day, or, or, or come to these talks once a week, twice a week, and expect to develop in, in the practice, because the mind keeps going back again. It's like we're stuck in the mud, and if you pull yourself out, of, if someone helps pull you out of the mud, and you climb out a little bit, and then you stop, you slide back down into the mud and you don't get you don't um progress in in the practice they liken meditation practice to boiling water or creating a fire when you want to create a fire you have to rub two sticks together but you have it's it's important not just to rub the sticks together for a while stop and come back and try again you have to do it continuously because we're trying to uh change the 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 essential way we look at reality we're trying to train our minds to get it to realize that this is the way reality is it's not the way that we thought it was and to come out of this judgmental way of approaching things in the beginning all we're doing is 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 like pulling ourselves out of the mud uh, and it's going to be a long time before we can actually stand on on solid ground and and you know take a breather in 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 a sense and not fall back into the mud so our practice should be continuous. When During the practice, we should always be reminding ourselves to come back to the present moment. We shouldn't say to ourselves, here I am practicing for an hour or half an hour or, or, or you know, even longer than that. We should say to ourselves, here I am in the present moment and how many moments am I meditating? This mantra really makes that clear. When you, when you uh, clearly grasp the, the reality saying to yourself, rising, and you know that it's rising, and you're clear that that's all it is, it's not me, it's not mine, it's not good, it's not bad, and you're just aware, and you let it go. When it's gone, it's gone, and then falling. You cut it off so that that's all it is, and it stops when the object stops. Your your um, judgments, your thinking, your your reaction to the object stops when the object stops, so it doesn't continue on. Wondering, worrying, liking, disliking, wanting, and so on. When you hear something, hearing, 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 and you don't get angry when people yell at you or, or become attached to, to beautiful sounds and so on. You, it, when, when the object stops, you move on. When you, when you create this, this awareness at every moment, that's truly meditating. And if you can create this, this, um, observation, this clear thought again and again and again it starts to have an effect on your mind it's like pulling, 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 pulling pulling, and eventually your mind makes a shift and it starts to get it and it starts to see things in a way that you weren't able to see them before it, it actually changes your reality I mean this is what I want to get through here is that you will, you will actually see your reality changing your, um, your relationship with other people your appreciation of the situation that you're in, uh, your mood, everything w that is real about your situation right now will change. And it's gradual, but it's perceivable. You can see that things are changing as you practice. This is the way it should be.
Uh, but, it, but for this to occur, you have to be in the present moment. Practice has to be continuous. So not just on the meditation mat, not just for an hour. During the meditation, you should try to be as mindful as you can. Once you get off the meditation mat and go on with your life, you should try your best to incorporate the practice into your daily life after you've got an, an appreciation of the practice and it's, it's working for you start to incorporate it into your life so that when you're brushing your teeth it's brushing meditation brushing brushing or feeling you taste the toothpaste tasting tasting you eat your food scooping opening your mouth opening chewing chewing swallowing swallowing turning everything into a meditation i mean ideally um, of course in the beginning it's incredibly difficult and if you can get walking 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 when you walk to to down the street or when you're in the car sitting driving turning so on screaming, <laughs> swearing, and so on, whatever. Um, acknowledging the emotions, angry, stressed, and so on. Um, whatever you can get, it, it, it will have um, a, a, a profound effect on your meditation, as opposed to just scheduling a sitting practice. The third um, fundamental quality is is the the quality of the the note the the mantra the the clear thought that you create. So it's not just a word. And some people in the beginning they find themselves just saying the words, or they find that it's actually uh, disturbing their disturbing their minds. Um, they feel that it's making them uncomfortable. Um, and and in a sense, it will make you uncomfortable. It'll help you to see that the things that you, you're, the the way you're approaching reality is is an intensely suffering experience. Many people don't like this sort of meditation because y y you'll start to um, see yourself clinging. When you say to yourself, for instance, rising, falling, watching the stomach rise and fall, you'll see it's quite uncomfortable, and it feels like by saying these words, you're forcing the breath to rise and fall. And of course, that's not the way the mind should be approaching the task, but it's how we approach everything naturally. We, Our nature is to force things, is to make things be smooth, be exact, be, be perfect. So when the breathing is not the way we want it to be, um, we, we try to adjust it, we try to force it. We, we have this, this stress that arises in the, in the mind. And that's what we're learning to see through the meditation. That's not wrong. And, and you should understand that once you train yourself, once you come to um, become really proficient in, the, in this, this technique, there won't be that suffering, there won't be that stress, there won't be that tension when you practice. So the correct way to practice has three parts, and this is according to the Buddha's teaching. The Buddha said when, when, when practicing the four foundations of mindfulness, you need three qualities, and these are Atapi, Sampachano, and Satima. These three are the the basis of of a correct practice of the four foundations of mindfulness. Atapi means to have effort. So when we when we practice meditation, we have to understand that it's in essence a work that we're doing. We're not sitting down to practice just to zone out, to um, transcend reality, or to 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 relax. Meditation should not be thought of as a relaxation. There are meditations. Or, or work that you can do that is is a, a sort of a, a sort of a relaxation, but that's not what we're trying to do. What we mean by meditation is to meditate on reality, to meditate 
on um, an object that 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 will help us to see clearer, that will help us to understand ourselves and understand the world around us. And so we need to to put out effort. We have to understand it's going to be hard work. Sometimes when you meditate, you'll find yourself sweating, you'll find yourself shaking, you'll find uh, a great um, resistance rising up in your in your in your in your body in your in your whole self anger coming up uh, frustration coming up boredom this restlessness where you find yourself you can't sit still you have to stop and this is what we have to change this is what we're coming to um, uh, coming to alter to 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 break up and to work through we do this by um, by by holding strong in our um, reaction to the to the object. So when we feel restless, instead of using it as a reason to just get up and and you know do the easy thing and and stop meditating, we remind ourselves that that it's just restlessness. Um, it's not a reason to do anything to get up, to stop, to get angry, or so on, to get frustrated. It's only restlessness, and we say to ourselves, restless, restless, we feel bored, 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 and so on. We, we need a certain effort in our practice. We have to be strong in the face of the, the phenomena. When you feel pain in the body, immediately you want to, you want to move. And even when you say to yourself, pain, pain, it, it, it's very easy to, to, to be weak about it and to just move your body. But the atapi, this, this is the strength. Um, and atapi means literally burning up or, or heating up. Um, and that, that's really how it feels, like you, you are um, burning up these, uh, th this resistance to the object, as you say to yourself with strength and fortitude, pain, 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 being firm about it, that, that this is pain, seeing that you are angry about it, you're upset about it, and not chasing after that. The second one, sampajano, means to um, see the object clearly, to be fully aware, um, fully comprehending the object in its entirety. And this sort of addresses the complaint that some people have in the beginning that when they say to themselves, rising, falling, or pain, 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 it feels like they're just mouthing the words. And this is clearly not the way we should be practicing, though it's common in the beginning, until you get it, until you get that you should be focusing on the object, that your mind should be with the object of your um, awareness. So you should actually send the mind to the object, and when you say to yourself, pain, it's only reminding yourself about something that you're observing. It's not saying to yourself, pain, 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 like a, like a magic, um, uh, a magic uh, spell that's going to make the pain go away. It's a reminder of something for what it is. So you should be clearly aware of the pain and say to yourself at the same time, pain, pain, pain. That your mind should be there with the object. It should be strong and it should be clearly aware of the object for what it is. The third one, satima, is the, the practice, the use of this mantra. This is mean, the meaning of mindfulness. And I've talked about mindfulness before. Um, I have videos about it or, and uh, uh, audio talks about my understanding of mindfulness. Mindfulness is the is the, the word satima means to remember or to remind oneself. It's the recognition and the firm and clear um, 
understanding of something for what it is. The um, specifying out of all of the judgments that you could have about the object, all the things you could recognize it as, recognizing it for what it is. So instead of recognizing something as bad, as good, as pleasant, as unpleasant, recognizing it for what it is. When you say to yourself, pain, 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 that's the meaning of the word septima, it's this recognition. And when you're clearly recognizing the object for what it is, um, this is what is meant by septima. Many people say that this is their 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 first criticism, especially if they practiced other types of meditation, where the teachers tell you just to watch the object, just to look at it, is that you're adding something. This word is an addition to the reality. It's a artificial. Um, it's an artifice. It's a artificial construct that you create in the mind. Uh, and has nothing to do with the reality. It's it's adding a thought, and it's filling your mind up with thoughts. And this is why I always explain it to people in English as creating a clear thought. Because we're always thinking about things. This is sankhara, the fourth aggregate of, of our being. This Out of the five parts of who we are, one part is the sankhara aggregate, which means mental formations. It means our thoughts, what we think of things, our judgments. And we're always doing this. When you feel the pain, you're thinking already. You're thinking, this is bad, this sucks, this is mine, my pain, I feel the pain. Um, and you're already thinking about what to do. Yes, I'm going to move, and so on, and so on. And this is an unclear thought. It's a distracted thought. It's a thought which is diffused. It's, um, it's, it's, it's superficial. You have a, a very limited understanding of the pain. You know it for a brief instant, and immediately you're off, totally um, disconnected from the pain in a world of your own saying, I gotta move, I gotta get up, I gotta stop meditating, hey, why don't I do that, why don't I do this, that'd be more comfortable. And you've forgotten about the pain, but you're, 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 you know, you're creating this whole world of, of uh, illusion based on it. So we specify, this is the meaning of the word sati here, that um, when the Buddha talked about it, in this sense, he was talking about pati sati. He said, pati sati mataya anisito jivihalati. Means um, specific, specifically, specific remembrance of just uh, based on the object, just as it is. Mata means uh, just, and pati means specific. So we know something for what it is. Instead of saying this is bad, this is. Uh, good, this is me, this is mine, we say this is this. We're all, all we're doing is changing our minds, and this is the mental intervention which is uh, which is talked about in Buddhism, and as I understand, it's talked about by, by quantum physicists. No matter what certain quantum physicists will say, there are others who understand that this, this intervention of the mind uh, has a causal efficacy on reality. And this is what you'll see, that when you change your mind like this, it has a profound effect. So this is the third fundamental that your 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 um, your use of the mantra is actually creating a clear thought where you have effort, where you have clear awareness and you have this recognition of the object just as it is. The fourth fundamental is that your practice should be balanced. Um, and balancing in the Buddha's teaching is based on the five mental faculties. 
based on four of the five mental faculties. It's understood that in our mind we have five qualities that we need to develop. These five qualities are confidence, effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. And we have to develop all five of them. These five are the the basic faculties that are required to uh, to become enlightened, to see things as they are, to realize the truth of existence. But it doesn't do for us just to build and develop them as we will. We have to balance these, and we balance them as follows: faith has to be, or confidence has to be balanced with wisdom. Concentration has to be balanced with effort. Mindfulness um, is considered to be the balancing factor. So these other four, we have to balance them. And this is an important aspect of our practice, an important concept that we have to understand. Because it's easy to get caught up in one or the others. And you'll see this in, in Buddhist meditators in, in many cases that we, we easily um, get caught up in developing one or, the, or another of these. Uh, and and not not balancing our practice or balancing our our faculties. So what is meant by by balancing confidence with wisdom? Well, it's easy to know a lot and to understand things and to think about them and to intellectualize. But until we actually see the things for ourselves, all it leads to is doubt. So if you don't have any confidence, which is based on on meditation practice, if you're just developing wisdom, which many people do, they'll study Pali, they'll study um, the Buddha's teaching, memorizing and reciting and thinking about and talking about and teaching about the Buddha's teaching. Um, all, all they do is, is sit around and wonder and doubt and, and their minds are never stable, even though they know uh, quite a lot about, about reality and they're able to appreciate it and understand it. Without the the understanding that comes from meditation practice and our solid our um, stability of mind that comes from our confidence, you know, many people require that they uh, understand something intellectually before they'll put it into practice. So when I say, you know, you you have to give up uh, give up immoral acts and so on people say well prove it to me you know I, I, I'm not gonna do that until I can see it for myself I'm gonna continue to do all these things until I can see for myself that they're wrong um, so it's it's important to actually experiment and to test things out you know if, if if someone tells you that this is the way to do things try it and see what happens it's important to actually um, test some test things so that your wisdom is based in reality on the other hand, um, there's many people who have a great amount of confidence and maybe they practice meditation a lot and they can become so confident that they think they're enlightened when in fact in many cases all they've gained is a, 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 um, a quietude of mind repressing the defilements that exist in the mind, repressing the negative states um, simply with the strength of mind. They have a great amount of confidence, and they just push themselves, and push and push and push, and and, um, and they attain to this state of peace and quietude, and think they're enlightened. So, um, in our practice, it's not enough to to 
to just push and push and push and practice and practice and practice. We we have to, as I said, um, examine reality. It's just, meditation is not just pushing yourself. You know, okay, I believe you. I'll practice meditation. Go for it. It's an examination of the realities that you're experiencing. It's not just anger is bad. Get rid of it. Greed is bad. Get rid of it. And we tend to do this a lot as Buddhists because we read the texts and we say, okay, Buddha said anger is bad, greed is bad, uh, this is bad, that is bad, and, and so we repress it. This happens a lot with monks. We are, are, you know, we have to maintain celibacy, and this can be very difficult because we end up many times just repressing the um, the, the urges. And you 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 see this a lot in, with Buddhist monks who become meditation teachers. Is, you know, they look really good and they're able to talk really well and they teach for a few years and then suddenly they're, they're, they've decided to disrobe uh, chasing after one of their female students um, because all they've done to to make themselves look or to appear even to themselves as uh, enlightened is repress the, the, the sensual urges and haven't taken the time to look and to examine and to understand these things understand the true reality of them this is what it means to balance our faith with our wisdom, that our meditation should be an examination. We should be always examining the states that we attain. When you attain states of peace and calm, they have to become a, uh, an object of your awareness and the object of your meditation. Don't um, let confidence lead you astray. Balancing of effort with concentration if we have a lot of effort and we're just pushing ourselves in our in the meditation, it leads us to become distracted. Um, you know, there's there's many people who are very good at doing walking and sitting, walking and sitting for many hours, but their minds are not quiet. They're not focusing on on an object. This is really what the mantra does. It allows you to focus, even when your mind is totally out of uh, um, totally out of whack and, and, and not focused at all, you can focus on that state and say to yourself, focusing, focusing, focusing. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I just got distracted myself. Someone's calling me. You say to yourself, distracted, 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 which I just was. <laughs> Good timing. Um, and on the other hand, if you have too much concentration, it puts you to sleep. It, um, it 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 dulls the mind. So if you if you have too much concentration, you're not able to keep up with the rhythm of life, and you find yourself missing things. You find yourself repressing rather than experiencing. So the the the, the correct use of the mantra, instead of just focusing on one object and you know saying again and again and again, ang um, say pain, for instance, pain, pain, pain. And we focus. We can focus on the pain so strenuously. Um, that we block out everything else and, and we don't see that actually we're angry about the pain and uh, actually we're, we have we have doubts about the practice because of it and so on um, and and we're missing we're missing the bigger picture of what's really going on concentration is not enough effort is not enough and we shouldn't let either of them pull us um, to one side or the other. If we have too much effort, we can't focus on anything. If we have too much concentration, we become too focused. So we're focusing on the pain, and and then suddenly we're off yelling at our teacher, saying this is a stupid meditation. You know, I say pain, 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 and it doesn't go away, and I hate it, and so on. And we don't realize that there's so much more to the practice, and we need the effort as well. 
uh, effort and concentration balance to first say pain, 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 and when we don't like it, say angry, 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 and so on. So this is the 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 fourth fundamental, and it's the um, the balancing of the faculties. These are the four fundamentals in the practice, and this is um, sort of my understanding of how we should approach the practice to really make it real and to um, not just have an intellectual acceptance and then practicing blindly but that our practice is constantly changing and adjusting and influencing the reality around us at every moment first with some things that um, we have to stop doing we have to um, focus ourselves and um, do away with immoral activity and um, that we actually have to uh, approach reality in our practice, the things that we have to do. Uh, that's to focus our mind on the present moment, um, to, to practice continuously and uh, to understand that meditation is a way of pro approaching our lives, not just a um, occasional um, activity that we perform and then go back to our lives. So that was the Dhamma that I wish to offer today. Thank you all for coming. Um, if you have any questions, I'm happy to take them. Otherwise, uh, I wish for the benefits of this teaching and for your practice of the Buddhist teaching to lead you to lead you all to peace, happiness, and freedom from suffering. And have a good day.